0: There it is. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Welcome to the live bugle in Edinburgh. Please welcome to the stage Andy Zaltzman! (laughs) Hello. Hello Buglers. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome, to, uh, welcome to The Bugle here in the Newtown Theatre uh, in uh, Edinburgh. This is issue 4,118 of The Bugle, the most significant creation in the history of human culture. Arguably. Uh, I mean, admittedly, that is an argument you would instantly lose, obviously, it's test match cricket. Uh, but, you know, it's just an honour to be mentioned in the conversation. Um... We are recording on Monday, the 19th of August, uh, 2019, for those of you listening at home. It's not uh, being published, though, until Friday of this week. So, frankly, <laughs> knows what the world will be like by the time you listen. What I mean, what do you, are you optimistic for this week? No, I mean, it's very hard to know, you know, who will be Prime Minister? Will the Iranian Navy have pulled a fast one and be steaming up the Thames, ready to throw fire kebab sticks into Windsor Castle? We just, we just don't know. Uh, this is the 19th of August, some, uh, some momentous, uh, well a uh, one momentous anniversary uh, on this day in the year 1960, the launch of the Corabel Sputnik 2, uh, a satellite with the dogs, uh, which had two dogs on it, Belka and Strelka, 40 mice, two rats and a variety of plants, there are Belka and, uh, and Strelka, the uh, Cosmodogs, um, and uh, they returned to earth the next day and uh, amazingly all the animals survived, both dogs the 40 and the 42 rodents and um, although on their return Belka and Strelka were reported to uh, find that a standard walkies was quote no longer quite what it used to be (laughs) and on the return of the uh, the dogs and the rodents to the uh, Soviet base in Kazakhstan the Sputnik cat Tabina Tidlsova was reported to have said well this is mixed news (laughs) um Incidentally, uh, 40 mice, two rats, and a variety of plants uh, is the exact current makeup of the Parliamentary Conservative Party. There we go. It's um, a little coincidence, historical coincidence. Amazing how history throws these things up. So um, uh, today is World Humanitarian Day. Yep, you big fans of humanitarians? Yeah. <laughs> Not all of you. <laughs> uh, that, you really got to vocalise that. Um, it's uh, United Nations Day to recognise aid workers who risk their lives in uh, humanitarian service. Uh, who thinks these people are heroes? And who thinks they are traitors to our efforts to win the global race? Because we're, we're still one of the top nations in the world, and we need, I mean, we need to keep these other countries down. These people are helping... No? no. Sorry, I've, I've misjudged this gig. Uh.
1: I think they are actually quite arrogant f***ers, to be honest. Oh, right, okay. I mean, look at all the pictures they use. They have big hands compared to the
0: rest of the world. <laughs> like
1: They have serious ego situations going on.
0: That one in the top left is, but I mean that's that just looks like some kind of bizarre communal grope, <laughs> <laughs> which I think might be a metaphor for global capitalism. Um, we'll see, also uh, tomorrow, the twentieth of August um, is um, well, it's a momentous day. It's the uh, the birthday of my wife. Um, uh, it's uh, it's very rude to ask a woman how old she is, uh, but you can ask me. She's forty five. Um, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> And also, it's World Mosquito Day. <laughs> uh, annually observed on the 20th of August, the commemoration of the uh, British scientist Sir Ronald Ross, discovering in the year 1897 that it's female mosquitoes that transmit malaria between humans. So malaria is the world's most deadly feminist disease. <laughs> Thank you, sisters. That's why it still exists. More than one million people die every year because of political correctness from malaria because it's only transmitted by the lady mosquito, so we can't do anything about it can we? Not these days because us men are so terrified of being accused of not allowing the lady mosquitoes to live how they want to live that we can't even ask them out on a date now let alone eradicate a deadly disease. Is this what Emmeline Pankhurst nailed herself to the cross for? Really? Um, i just call it as I see it. Um... Uh, for World Mosquito Day, don't forget that uh, there's a charitable element to it, so many of the, uh, the World Days have. If you pay $2 to the World Mosquito Rights Foundation, you're allowed to take a box of mosquitoes to work with you. <laughs> and Unleash them on your least favourite colleague. Um, and also we have a free uh, special offer for World Mosquito Day, a free mosquito for every bugler who can correctly answer this question. Which current world leader thinks mosquitoes are in fact a global Muslim conspiracy? <laughs> They are little miniature flying places of worship the mosquitoes that can inject <laughs> that can inject Islam into the bloodstream of ordinary American people. Which is why we need to stop the Hondurans moving to California. So which world leader? A multiple choice? Is it A, Donald Trump? Send your answers on a postcard <laughs> to As always, uh, some sections of this podcast are going where? I said they're going where? Edinburgh. Correct. They are going uh, in the bin. There we go. Um, (laughs) uh, This week we have a special, special section. You democracy fans, (laughs) Uh, are you happy with the democracy that you're getting at the moment? (laughs) Um, uh, Give us a cheer if you're uh, you're from the United Kingdom. (laughs) And give us a cheer if you're not. (laughs) where, Where are you from? France, um, you you live here, and, uh, well, I mean, not, not for much longer, I sincerely hope. We, we've, we voted to get rid of people like this. We'd let the French in once before in 1066, and it has not gone well at all. Um... Uh, well, um, uh, I don't know if any of you feel disenfranchised by the political process, but we're opening up to you now at the Bugle. We've stuck an exclusive deal with the government to choose uh, the Foreign Secretary. Um, and uh, we're going to run this as a knockout. Uh, the current Foreign Secretary uh, is Dominic Raab. Got any Dominic Raab fans in? No, because Dominic Raab <laughs> is not in the building. Um... <laughs> um he qualified for one of the great offices of uh, state by virtue of being even less appropriate for his job than the alleged Prime Minister, thus making Boris Johnson look slightly less of an unelected travesty than he obviously is. Um, uh, previously, he was Secretary of State for exiting the uh, European Union, a job he carried out with, uh, as you can see, incredible success. <laughs> given that Britain is still tearing itself apart like a hungry shark in a distractingly realistic seal outfit. Um, <laughs> but... very much. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm glad you like that. <laughs> but who or what should be Foreign Secretary? Should it be Rob or should it be someone else? Over the next 63 weeks on the Bugle, we'll be holding a knockout competition to find out who should be Foreign Secretary. Pitting the candidates against each other, head-to-head in performance categories of relevance to the job of Foreign Secretary. So let's find out uh, well, who's uh, the, uh, the uh, opponent going to be for Rob. Could it be uh, Shadow Foreign Secretary, Emily Thornberry, former World Snooker Champion, Graham Dott? A single cauliflower? I mean, would it be worse than Dominic Rob, at least... <laughs> At least it would look like it's got a brain. Um, um, A vacuum, definite improvement. A bucket of eels, marginal. Uh, Let's find out. Uh, I'll just draw the first round opponent out of the hat. It's Dominic Raab versus Sooty. Uh, The um, TV children's show Glove Puppet Sooty. So uh, category one, is it going to be Sooty or Raab for Foreign Secretary? Category one, knowledge of international trade and politics. Raab was unaware of the importance of the obviously important port, Dover. Sooty, after his TV career plateau, did an open university degree in maritime law. 1-0 Sooty. (laughs) Category 2, concern for the less uh, fortunate. Dominic Raab, vocally opposed to to workers' rights, the minimum wage, Um, and, uh, well, fair enough, what about the rights of billionaire tycoons? Who's looking after them, the last persecuted minority? Um, Also opposed to the Brussels ban on forcing babies to operate heavy machinery. I mean, I made that up, but at least I'm owning my deceit. uh, (laughs) Uh, Sooty, by contrast, uh, devoted an entire 1980s episode to an admirably even handed examination of the exploitation theory of Karl Marx. <laughs> if you listen to it backwards. Um, and uh, also insisted on his less glamorous co star, Sweep, being given equal royalty share from the hit 1990 novelty hip hop skiffle single, Don't Be a Puppet, brackets Unite to Fight. So, 2 <laughs> 0 Sooty. Uh, category 3 Attitude to the Health Service. Raab wants to privatise the NHS. Sooty thinks we should let the poor die it's what God intended <laughs> we'll call that a draw. it amounts to the same thing <laughs> Judging by the American experiment, two and a half to a half. And finally, category four, ability to blame immigrants for stuff. Rob, as housing minister, said immigration has put house prices up by 20% rather than blaming, for example, the excesses of free market economics and multi-generational government failure to build enough houses or the will of almighty Zeus himself. Uh, Sooty, um, by uh, contrast, his co-stars included a panda, a parrot and a Brazilian cat. Clearly way more open-minded than Dominic Rob. <laughs> three and a half to a half, Sooty wins and we'll go on to play Novak Djokovic in round two. <laughs> right, that section in the bin. Thank you very much. Um. Right, it's time to meet our two uh, guest co-hosts for today's bugle. It you meets meet our co host for this bugle? Yeah. Uh, now I'm from the northern hemisphere, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, it's best to be open about these things and uh, what a terrific hemisphere that is. Um. Easily one of the world's great hemispheres, but it's been going through uh, a bit of a rocky patch uh, of late. um, And uh, I think we can acknowledge that as... uh, I mean, it's still a great hemisphere. You know, any any hemisphere that can produce both Michelangelo and Michael Atherton. (laughs) That's a pretty special hemisphere. Uh, But to provide some uh, balance, both of our guests come from the other hemisphere, the wrong hemisphere. But they're here today to provide... (laughs) provide some objectivity to, uh, to the news. Please, firstly, welcome, uh, well, they're both huge Bugle favourites. Firstly, the wonderful Alice Fraser.
2: Hello. Oh. Uh, hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. World Mosquito Day. <laughs> uh, interesting fact. Uh, mosquitoes are actually very closely related uh, to the vampire. <laughs> uh, so, they, they, although uh, vampires are more, more into asking for consent. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. They, uh, they, uh, you don't know, but they, you don't see it in movies. They actually make the exact same annoying noise. <laughs> So uh, they're much less glamorous than you've imagined them to be. But uh, mosquitoes are great. These little dick-nosed itch bugs, they are much like men on a night out in that you can never be sure if they're just going to try and penetrate you in a way that's annoying or in a way that will lead to your literal death.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fair point. Uh, Also joining us today, also from Australia, please uh, give a huge bugle welcome to Tom Ballard.
3: (laughs) Hello buglers, hello Andy, hello Alice. Lovely to be here in the correct hemisphere, thank you very much. (laughs) No f***ing respect. I was in London before this in an Uber, and the driver said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Australia. He said, oh yeah, where's that? (laughs) What? (laughs) South, mate. It's south from here. (laughs) Never had to give directions to Australia before. Steal a loaf of bread and turn left, mate. You'll find it. He said, where's Australia? I said, it's near New Zealand. And he said, oh, yeah. (laughs) What? You know Garfunkel, but you don't know Simon? Come on. (laughs) Anyway, nice to be here. (laughs) Uh,
0: Right. um, uh, So here we are. I think we're ready for our top story this week. Well, uh, terrific uh, match-up at the moment between the uh, Chinese president, very much like a mafia crime boss against a former British colony, very much looking at a Don Chi-Kong uh, confrontation.
3: <laughs> all right, good night, everybody. I'm done. <laughs> um,
0: it's all... <laughs> It's all happening in Hong Kong, uh, and by all I mean uh, a quarter of the population marching peacefully uh, in protest and that being described as borderline terrorism. (laughs) Um, uh, Alice, uh, you're our uh, Hong Kong correspondent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. Uh, Apparently satellite photos of a sports stadium in the city of Shenzhen show what appear to be armoured personnel carriers and other vehicles belonging to China's paramilitary People's Armed Police parked inside. The photos raise some questions, like... Don't you have better ways to watch football than by perving on it via satellite? (laughs) And why the Flipping Nutballs is a football stadium full of military vehicles? Uh, Some people are thinking it's because Shenzhen borders Hong Kong and it indicates a threat from Beijing of more extreme action against pro-democracy protesters, which seems like a pretty obvious and frankly boring thing to think. I refuse to accept that conclusion, Andy. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm thinking tank ball.
3: (laughs) (laughs) See this, Andy? This is why I hate sport, okay? If you're on the side of sport, you're on the side of totalitarian, re- totalitarian regimes and you're also quite boring to talk to at parties, all right? <laughs> yeah. they, they said this is all part of a, like, hey... A pre-organised exercise, which I just don't think sounds like a very legitimate excuse. They're like, nah, we were got to put the tanks there anyway. And that's not actually a picture of a Hong Kong protester with an umbrella. That's us preparing for a Mary Poppins-style invasion from the future.
2: <laughs> I mean, what is the mission to achieve excellence in sport other than a long-term eugenics program, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they always conveniently run out of condoms in the Olympic village.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the, the way I see that, you know, the tank... I mean, clearly, people say sport and politics shouldn't mix. Um, I mean, I'll go further than that even and say that sport and military repression is a real no-no for me. <laughs> um, but, I know, as the old song goes, sport and political propaganda go together like a horse and jet engine. Um, in that it gets messy and there's only one winner. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I think I mean, let's, can we see that picture again, Chris, of the uh, the stadium there? I mean, t- could that not just be a FIFA experiment uh, to find a new way of dissuading footballers from faking injury? <laughs> if, um, if rather than getting the physio and the magic sponge, they're getting the Chinese military. See, <laughs> so, yeah, quickly look. That tank's offside. <laughs> 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 Tank ball. Tank ball. <laughs> Uh, clearly, the situation in Hong Kong is uh, was well, it's, well, it's quite complicated, as is from the case in uh, places that were formerly run by Britain. Um, and it's not entirely our fault. Uh, Hong Kong was loosely incorporated in the uh, in the into the Qin Dynasty back in 220 odd BC, which coincidentally is the last time that Britain was truly British. #Hashtag Romans <laughs> out. And <laughs> um, uh, we picked it up, as along as so many other little trinkets, in the 19th century, and uh, took it out on a lease for 99 years, which ran out in 1997. And uh, it turns out that the, uh, the Chinese government, surprisingly, has not been quite as committed to the idea of uh, maintaining Hong Kong's democratic freedom as might have been ideal. I, don't, I mean, there were no real warnings for that, were there, in the years before 1997 <laughs> um, in, uh, in China. Uh, there's um, a famous, uh, famous joke, um, Chinese joke. Um, here it is. Did you hear the one about the dissident poet who was arrested by the Chinese police? No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there you go, bro. That's the first joke ever recorded on the Bugle. How about that? <laughs> That's huge.
2: I, I like to think of the British colonial experiment as, uh, you know, that person who keeps having terrible, terrible relationships and all of the breakups go badly and after a while you're like, maybe it's you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: it's we'll pretty amazing. They got 1.7 million people turned out. It was torrential rain. Like, they turned out there. There was a threat of, like, you know, um, military oppression million people. But I still can't get 100 people to come to my Edinburgh show (laughs) in a light drizzle. You (laughs) f***ing fascists! (laughs) 9pm monkey barrel. Um, (laughs) Do you think the people of Hong Kong are aware of how democracy has turned out around the rest of the world?
0: Well, it does appear not. Because this is one of the big demands. Obviously, they want the the withdrawal of the extradition bill, uh, which can... uh, dispense people uh, accused of crimes in Hong Kong into the uh, welcoming, loving bosom of the Chinese justice system. (laughs) Uh, They've also demanded universal suffrage, and that doesn't work. Uh, We know this in Britain. Take it from us, Hong Kong. Do not go for universal suffrage. Suffrage should only be extended to people who agree with you. (laughs) That is the only way the system works. Mm -hmm. The Chinese government has said that um, uh, the protests are terrorism, uh, so what we're going to try and do now is uh, help you to spot whether or not something is terrorism. We'll do this by vote. Uh, would you say this is terrorism? Uh, let's have a picture. 1.7 million people peacefully marching. Is that terrorism? Or is interning 1 million people in re-education camps more terrorism than that? <laughs> that is the correct response. Uh, <laughs> giggle. And uh, let's, um, uh, is, uh, is this terrorism demanding proper self-governance and doing so by uh, stopping some aeroplanes taking off from an airport? Or is terrorism occupying a country for more than 60 years and repre- repressing all political opposition through hardline military rule? Boom, Is this on. <laughs> uh, in America, is this terrorism? Trump says the anti-fascist protesters uh, are terrorists. Uh, he says major consideration is being given to naming Antifa an organisation of terror. So is that terrorism? Um which is essentially shouting at fascists, or is more uh, terrorism, is being a fascist. It's a tough call.
2: Hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. <coughs> hey, Andy, can't we all be terrorists? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only way to fight a bad terrorist in a mask is a good terrorist in a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and the important thing is to make sure your violence is the good kind of violence, not the bad kind of violence. And the only way to determine that you're not actually just punching a doctor in a surgical mask is to do it and see if they treat their own wounds in a competent manner. <laughs>
3: Terrorists don't kill people, terrorists kill people. Oh, that doesn't <laughs> work at all, sorry. I've actually got the definitive list of what is not isn't terrorism well, here, I'll if you'd like to hear it, oh, Andy. Yes, that's please. Cool. Uh, heckling at my comedy show, that's terrorism. <laughs> me yelling at my audience because they're not laughing enough, not terrorism. <laughs> Very interesting. Andy doing a pun run, terrorism. <laughs> Blocking me on Grindr, that's terrorism. <laughs> Three-star reviews, that's Terrorism. <laughs> Saying, f*** you, Chris, that is not terrorism. (laughs) Accommodation prices in Edinburgh during the Fringe Festival. Oh, you better believe that's terrorism! (laughs) 1,200 pound to sleep on a mattress thinner than an Instagram model. That is my 9-11, Andy. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) That's it. That's all the list.
0: Uh, What about occasional scuffles with far-right groups intent on destroying the fabric of society? Well, according to Donald Trump, terrorism yep. slaughtering innocent people in the cause of white supremacy, not terrorism. So there's disagreements around the what world. What
2: about uh, Stephen Fry calling his show the same as my show and being much more famous than me? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> terrorism.
3: <laughs> vultures right. news now.
2: Alice, uh, yes, in smelly death. So you never see
3: this on the BBC, do you? They never look at our screen. What are we doing next? Yeah, let's do vultures. <laughs> it. <laughs> Well, that's because they edit
0: out the 24-hour news channel. It's not (laughs) long. Each day takes them a week to record. (laughs) They just guess the news that's going to be happening a week from now. And actually, that's a lot easier than it used to be. Some (laughs) cunts are being (laughs) cunts. Next, here's the weather. Well, since we're in Edinburgh, (laughs) and uh, as we have talked about the accommodation prices, vultures news seems an appropriate section.
2: Yes, indeed, Andy. Smelly death birds coming for the rich news now. A relentless swarm (laughs) of black vultures that apparently smell like, quote, a thousand rotting corpses has forced at least one family out of their home in luxurious West Palm Beach, Florida. Apparently, locals have implemented a number of methods to discourage the balding avian corpse enthusiasts, including deploying fake owls, helium balloons, and loud music. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, that sounds like exactly the kind of fake owl balloon party I'd want to be at if I were a stinking gangly carrion b- bird with a party attitude and a taste for necrosis. <laughs> <laughs> if. <laughs> uh, local spoil sport Cheryl Katz has called the presence of the black vultures in her pool house bloody, vile, vicious, and traumatizing, which is pretty strong language for someone whose name makes her sound like a bit part on an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Shellcats is definitely walking in with some sort of mild but incredibly infuriating personal habit that Seinfeld and his wacky mates will blow all out of proportion in order to resolutely keep their eyes away from the gaping void in social utility they have made of their lives. (laughs) Homeowners in West Palm Beach are blaming the sudden bird surge or vultural appropriation, if you will. (laughs) No!
3: No, don't encourage them! That's terrorism! No, no, no. no.
0: I think we all need to just take ten seconds to just think about how glorious that job is. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. They're blaming it on an anonymous neighbour who they say is feeding the vultures, leaving them bags of dog food and even roast chicken. Uh, the friendly woman has been warned, but Neighbourhood Association President Gordon Holmes nominative determinism, if I've ever heard it, (laughs) uh, said their options are limited because black vultures are protected by federal law, which is fair. What has a vulture ever done to you other than being a constantly circling reminder of your own imminent death (sighs) and smelling like a pile of corpses as a shout-out another pile of corpses? (laughs) Which it can't help. It loves eating corpses. What else do you want them to do with a corpse? Not eat it? (laughs) It's kind of their raison d'etre, which they pronounce raisin-dita, but when they say raisin, they mean your shriveled corpse balls. (laughs) But who else is going to enjoy your shriveled corpse balls, mate? Give them a f***ing break. (laughs) Have you
3: written jokes about any other news story?
2: (laughs) Cheryl Katz said the anonymous neighbour wouldn't answer her calls or emails and she ended up putting four fake owls with moving heads and blinking lights outside but the vultures just pecked and chewed the owls up. (laughs) They ripped the heads off, Katz said, before going on one date with George Costanza and deciding he's too hairy to date. (laughs)
3: They smell like a thousand rotten corpses, which is the equivalent of about one street performer, if you're wondering. (laughs) Ooh, edgy joke at the fringe. (laughs) My cousin's out there on the Royal Mile. But, uh... As you said, some people have to leave their houses because of this, which is like just heartbreaking. I think. Imagine being targeted and victimised by evil predatory vultures, and it gets so bad you actually lose your house. And the vultures in question are never properly punished because they're protected by law. And because of the vultures' actions, your government introduces brutal austerity, which cripples the country and the working classes. All the while, the vultures keep giving each other massive bonuses <laughs> and start preparing the next attack on people's houses. That would suck. <laughs> I think them. Oh, sorry, there wasn't a pun in there, everyone.
0: <laughs> I might have, might have been a subtext. I, don't know, I might, might be reading too much into it. <laughs> um, uh, in or other, done, that's it. You're that's done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, environment news uh, now. And are um, uh, you environment fans? Ooh. Some of you? <laughs> <laughs> that was only about 20% of you. The rest, rest of you have been thinking, no, no. The environment hates our way of life, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's the biggest threat we have. Um, maybe the environment—it's
2: just so dramatic. The moment you set up a coal-powered power plant, they're all like, "Oh, uh, oh, no, no more polar bears!" <laughs> <laughs> dramatic. Um,
0: a sad death in the environment this week. Um, the Ófjökull glacier in Iceland sadly passed away.
2: Yep, it Um, melted like the hopes of an Edinburgh comedian with three reviewers, two parents and a dog in the audience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That brings back some memories. (laughs) 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 Apart from the reviewers bit. Um, um, uh, The glacier sadly died of excessive melting, um, aggravated by carbon addiction. Not its own carbon addiction, obviously, but uh, it was definitely uh, a factor. um, It's the first uh, Icelandic glacier to lose its status as a glacier and they, they put up a special commemorative plaque for it uh this week uh, y- are you are uh, you concerned about the loss of this glacier yeah. i mean uh. <laughs> yeah but um, do we actually need glaciers <laughs> when who hears when did you last actually use one I mean, really, not just look at it and say, "Isn't that lovely?" I mean, actually do something useful with it, like I don't know, ward off a bear, or shift some rocks off a mountain. They are basically just inefficient rivers of ice for me. Rivers of water, way better. I mean, what you can get from a river of ice? Frozen fish fingers, but not much else. (laughs) um, There was a dedication uh, on this. uh, This. uh, Have you got a picture of the uh, the um, little plaque they put up or not? Okay, we'll just imagine. Got the (laughs) (laughs) fucking (laughs) glacier. (laughs) Sorry Uh, I'm sure that didn't Michael Caine say that in a film at some point Um,
3: (laughs) Episode um, 4000 of The Bugle and tensions are rising
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It uh, gave the date of the ceremony and also the concentration of carbon dioxide globally in the air which is 415 parts per million that is 0.04% of our atmosphere now is carbon dioxide and I think we're getting way overstressed about this because, I mean, that isn't that much, is it? I mean, it's very hard to actually find a bit of carbon dioxide in the air, despite the scientists telling us there's way too much of it. And we need to look at it in, uh, in context as well. 0.04% on Earth. Venus, 96.5%. <laughs> Yet we're the ones with a fucking problem. But you can't... <laughs> you can't criticise Venus, can you? And why not? Because Venus is a lady planet. Oh, you can't say
3: anything, you? God. You can't say anything. This, ever since you became an MRA, this, is, this show is really... <laughs> I was very sad Without about the glacier. Get the red
2: pill, Andy. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it is, it's really interesting because uh, people are saying that the melting of this glacier is an indication of rising problems and things like rising temperature in the world, and they put up this plaque to indicate. But it's basically... I don't think we have a problem until the plaque melts. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> then we might want to change.
3: <laughs> We're 700 years old and just one day away from retirement. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> mm. Tragic. Apparently the
2: homeless seals are now migrating in droves or whatever the collective noun for seals is and there's been a subsequent ri- rise in ethno-state nationalist populism in the neighbouring penguin and polar bear communities.
3: Wow! Uh, oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> Dance as old as time itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, in uh, other environment news... Um, well, uh, when Wha- you say
2: a dance as old as time, do you mean that time is a dance, like a tick? <laughs> <laughs> very very well, visual for a. Yeah. <laughs> I take it back. That is as
0: close as I ever get to dancing. Um, <laughs> just, just slowly aging. Well, just. Sl- <laughs> just.
2: But gracefully.
0: What do you mean, slowly? Um, <laughs> I just go round in a circle in 60 small um, uh, installments. Um,
2: Surely someone with a forehead that's moving at your pace should have more sympathy (laughs) with a glacier.
0: Yeah, but the glacier is shrinking. (laughs) 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 Um... Uh, in other environment uh, news, Tom, you've been keeping an eye on the uh, the entire Pacific Ocean for us.
3: Yes, yes, Southern Hemisphere, everything's going very well. Uh, critical talks at the Pacific Islands Forum in Tuvalu almost collapsed over Australia's positions on climate change and coal. Just to remind you, our position on climate change is no, and <laughs> our position on coal is reverse cowgirl. Uh, we <laughs> love it. Family show. <laughs> <off. laughs> In response to these collapsing talks, Australia's Deputy Prime Minister, uh, who is... Say it with me, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) He made some interesting comments. He was in Australia and he said, I get a little bit annoyed when we have people in those sorts of countries pointing the finger at Australia and say we should be shutting down all our resources sector so that, you know, they will continue to survive. (laughs) The f***ing nerve! The nerve of these savages telling us to stop being one of the biggest polluters in the world so they don't have to start developing gills. Selfish much? (laughs) His name is Michael McCormack. He went on they will continue to survive. There's no question they'll continue to survive. They'll continue to survive because many of their workers come here and pick our fruit. (laughs) And that's a little thing I like to call Australian diplomacy. Yeah? (laughs) Some countries use soft diplomacy. Some countries use hard diplomacy. We're a bunch of uh, pick our fruit, Andy. They'll survive because I'll be able to pick our fruit.
0: And, and it's it's good Australian fruit as well. He said, pick our fruit, pick our fruit grown with hard Australian enterprise and endeavour. Not not quite hard enough enterprise and endeavour to actually pick the fruit themselves but <laughs> without resorting to cheap foreign labour. But hard grown with hard Australian. I mean, how do you grow fruit? Does fruit not just grow? Do they stand there sledging it like cricketers <laughs> or what?
3: Yeah, you might just it. let it grow in this fucking country, mate. This fucking soft cock nation. Not in Australia, mate. We yell at it and we throw footies at our fruit and we pump it with beer and we stop all the gay fruit. No pineapples.
0: <laughs> uh, he also went on to say, McCormick, what we won't do is we won't listen to the Bob Browns of the world and say we should be shutting down our resources sector. Now, Bob Brown is an environmentalist. But it did sound like he was just using that as a collective term for. <laughs> anyway, let's not. Know. <laughs> um, uh, he also said that the fact that we're not going to be hijacked into doing something that will shut down an industry that provides tens of thousands and of jobs and two thirds of our energy needs. So basically, the message is don't let the fossils have died in vain. <laughs> like, and laid down our lives for us. We have a moral duty to use them. Um, also, is there not quite? No, I'm not. I'm not a rocket environmentalist, but
2: is there not? <laughs> is there not
0: other sources of fuel that could be used in Australia?
2: Arguably, the fact that we are one of the largest and sunniest countries, with some of the sort of very broad, empty, windy plains, with the and the sort of surrounding <laughs> girt by sea situation. Nah. Nah.
0: All nah. <laughs> oh right. Okay. That's good. <laughs> it's,
2: it's coal or nothing, Andy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> coal and hypocrisy. That's basically. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So I've just got to do a quick commercial announcement. Uh, Tonight's Bugle Live show is brought to you in association with Ethy Snooze Mattresses. Do you like listening to podcasts? Then history suggests you probably like sleeping on a mattress as well. (laughs) All podcast listeners do. So why not try the Ethy Snooze Fly Tip, a mattress made entirely from recycled white goods dumped by the sides of roads by people who can't be asked to (laughs) dispose of them properly. Bunk down on a clapped out 1990s tumble dryer. Hit the hay on a cheap fridge that broke down on its second (laughs) birthday. It would have cost more to repair than buying a new one. Nestle down on a now unfashionably beige bathtub. Who gives a shit if it clashes with your decor? You'll be asleep, or partially asleep. Save the environment and get an adequate night's sleep if you're really zonked with the Ethy Snooze Fly Tip. Deeply uncomfortable for the body, but soothing for the soul. And more importantly, guaranteed to make you want to get up in the morning. (laughs) And why not accessorise with the Ethy Snooze Road Quilt? A, a, a blanket inspired quilt made from the snuggly woggly pelts of badgers, deer, or if you're lucky, wild boars scraped off your local trunk robes. Um,
2: Andy, must you alienate every potential sponsor?
0: <laughs> still got Kalashnikov on board.
3: Uh, the rifle you can't stifle. Um,
2: <laughs>
3: if you're looking for a great night's sleep, can I recommend my show? 9 p.m. at <laughs> the Monkey Barrel. That's a whole hour of shut-eye
2: there.
3: <laughs> right, now,
0: what's uh, Chris, do you have any idea what's next in the running order? <laughs> I've completely uh, things up. that you haven't Sorry?
1: done involve another oh. species of bird. Uh, oh. They involve... I've got a picture of some animals s***ing, <laughs> but I don't know what that story is. <laughs> um, That's just your personal... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, your there's st- there's so you the lichen know. story. Nah. Um, nope. There's...
0: Uh. <laughs> oh, sport. Let's do sport. Sports. Okay um uh sports uh, alice you are the bugle sport correspondent
2: <laughs> tank ball no uh. <laughs> Britons Jess Lermanth and Georgia Taylor-Brown were disqualified from the World Triathlon Olympic qualification event in Tokyo after they crossed the finish line hand in hand. And what has become of sport, Andy? Surely, like the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it's about ruthlessly tearing each other down in order to win at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) It's about being a sociopath in Lycra, fighting for a million dollars in sponsorship and a job in commentary for the next Olympics. It's not about building character and supporting one another through the grueling process of elite athleticism. Bloody hell! They can cycle, swim and ride, but can't those kids <laughs> read the rules? <laughs> there is an I in triathlete, you teamwork <laughs> knuckles. It's <laughs> worse, because they're female athletes ignoring rule one of being a woman, which is, I can't win if you're not losing.
3: Shirley, <laughs> you've got some thoughts about these women
0: here, Andy? <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, I'm still recovering from, uh, from uh, the, uh, the Cricket World Cup final, which, by rights, should have ended like this. <laughs> we do a quick Q&A? Yep. Right, so we're going to do a Q&A or an A&Q. Um, uh, do you have any questions for the
3: audience? <laughs> <laughs> who's coming to see my show? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: No. Right, who's got a quick question for the, uh, for the panel today? We'll answer them as seriously and uh, factually as, uh, as humanly possible. What's that? There's one down the front here, Chris. I think. Excuse me. Oh, we have a quick. Oh. Excuse me. Is traditional
1: Excuse me. making.
2: Jesus. This is, um, Excuse me. This, this is an incredible feat Excuse of Apple. me. He had a new Apologies. hit months ago.
1: Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, it's not great. He's, he's an inspiration going. to us the all. The
2: tradition of the bugle audience in making Chris go as far as possible. <laughs> I've
0: actually changed my mind. <laughs> right. There we go. A one-man metaphor for Brexit Britain. Thought he had something to say and then backed out of it and is haunted by regrets. <laughs> Next question.
2: Um, Alice, why exactly do you hate flamingos so much? And can you agree with me, you as well, Tom, that koalas f***ing <laughs> suck? Oh! 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 Which koala gave you chlamydia that made you <laughs> so?
0: What a game show that would be!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, that's your next show for ABC, isn't it?
3: <laughs> this we- week,
0: Blinky Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Any funny stories from the Fringe this year? No, it's <laughs> a pile <veil> of tears. <laughs> What about at the fringe?
2: <laughs> uh, I saw a man arguing with a bin. And I thought, ah, oh, classic Edinburgh, and then I came closer and realized there was a busker in the bin and this man had put a burrito in on top of him. <laughs> I was like, double classic Edinburgh.
0: <laughs> Five stars. Uh- <laughs> A haunting evocation
3: of modern Britain.
2: I've had some good audience
3: interactions, you know. You're out there try to get a vibe in the room, start of the show, get a bit of energy out there. Yeah, ask someone what they do for a living. Hey, man, what do you do for a living? I'm a Holocaust educator. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tough crowd. (laughs) What's your favourite? No. (laughs) Um, And I have a bucket. If anyone does come to my show, please bring currency for the country that we're currently in. I'd appreciate that. Uh had quite a few derma from the UAE dropped into my bucket, which it's always quite insulting getting currency from a country that'll probably kill you if you go there. So, <laughs> An abomination in the eyes of God! Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: well, Chris, well, I think we're out of time, aren't we? We are. Because you were trying to encourage me to do some puns three minutes ago. I mean,
1: encouraging is you- not... It's not the word I would have used. I
0: was well. I was going to do some puns about because um, I was invited to to review some uh, some jams, <laughs> um, some preserves for a local Edinburgh. But I thought no, I can't. It could go very badly, and um, <laughs> I can't pick them all. Uh, pick all of them. Um, so, um, <laughs> but that was. Uh, <laughs> That was the first, first one. one. I don't know if we missed it, but there was one there. Yeah, there was one. I just absolutely delivered it terribly. But I was invited to do this, uh, to see this uh, musical act, uh, former Labour Home Secretary Jack and TV historian Mary riffing out some sweet improvised blues. It was a strawberry jam. <laughs> Kaboom! I got uh, a friend of mine got an OBE for services to the fruit-based spread industry. He explained to the Queen how best to watch cookery shows uh, and how best to use oranges on a high-tech uh, new television. Uh, one of those. Uh, <laughs> Once with uh, the organic light emitting diode technology, and the Queen said, Is there an acronym for that? And he said, Yes, Mom OLED. <coughs> um,
2: I mean, that was a marathon.
0: Yeah. Is that a compliment or an insult? Um, <coughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think let's leave. Uh, let's um, see. Let's I, uh, I was doing this memory test the other day. Mm. Um, I had to. Uh, I uh, remember a vehicle and what colour it was, and uh, in which prison it was from a selection of jails on this sheet. And turn uh, turned out it was the red car in J. Lee. Red <laughs> car in J. Lee. Lee. And uh, my, g- my granddad, he played tennis with uh, Elvis Presley, but Elvis was like Novak Djokovic. He used to bounce the ball like, loads about 30 times before he served it. He got very impatient and said, Go on, Pres, serve. Preserve. Preserve.
3: <laughs> right, right
2: Andy, that's it. What? You, <laughs> what? What? you were. What? Pre- he asked for it. Don't f. I didn't. You approach puns in the same way as like a medieval pubic hair tapestry maker in that it's needlessly elaborate and nobody's comfortable with it.
0: <laughs> right, enough about our sexual techniques. Now, um, <laughs> um, uh, actually, uh, a friend of mine got a uh, sexually transmitted disease. His, uh, his blanca became all rough, like a scouring pad, because uh, he, he used it for washing up. He called it his member-brio. Member-brillo. Member-brillo? No. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm, shut, I'm shutting that down. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for coming. That is the end of uh, the... Uh, mugs. We have six mugs left from the stash of mugs that Chris brought here. Six. Uh, so if you want to buy a mug, you have to be fast Tank
2: ball! Tank ball! <laughs> tank,
0: yeah, have a game of tank ball. Uh, we'll be outside the front uh, after the gig. Thank you very much for coming. Give it up for Alice Fraser, Tom Ballard. I've been Andy Zaltman. Good night. Thank you to everyone who came to the live Bugle shows in Edinburgh and indeed Satirist for Hire and Political Animal as well. We will play you out this week with some more lies about our voluntary subscribers. To join them, go to the buglepodcast.com and click the Donate button and you can choose one of the various pre-programmed schemes or just make up your own donation, whether it's recurring or simply a one-off. And here now are some lies. Chris, music please. <laughs> Albert Farkas wonders whether humans would be more efficient as a species if they had one lobster claw and one human arm, instead of two of the latter. Similarly, Toby Yang thinks lobsters could do with at least one set of functioning fingers. He doesn't really mind where on the lobster they grow. Richard Haynes is wrongly convinced that the words potato and tomato were both Latin verbs, meaning. I am starchy and I am juicy, respectively, whilst Lawrence Agleton has never understood why they don't grow potatoes in superheated soil, so they come out of the ground pre baked and ready for buttering. Matt Lewis has done some research and concludes that former Olympic swimming champion Mark Spitz probably shares at least 8% of his DNA with a nuclear submarine. Adam Cherrett once met the celebrity chef Scoot and Malvane in a public library before Malvane was ejected and then arrested for quite literally cooking the books. Anonymous donor D.A. thinks the motorcycle pyramid is the future of commuting. It's efficient, it's environmentally friendly if you use an e-motorbike, and above all it's fun. Tess Tess likes that idea and would furthermore install zip wires between the upper floors of tower blocks in all CBDs around the world. Rachel Slater wonders whether Britain should update the monarchy by choosing randomly selected families to be queen and or king, princes, princesses and sundry minor royals on a rotating five-year term. Nick Hills had developed this idea still further and suggests that families should be able to make pitches in televised hustings for what they would do as the royal family. But Sam Wilkinson reckons Britain might as well just auction it off to the highest bidder, like every other public utility in the country. Ruth Berger, misunderstanding this proposal, has started crowdfunding to buy the Queen. So far, she's rustled up £768 million of her target total of an impossible-to-refuse £2.3 billion transfer fee. Here endeth the lies. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle
1: here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now?